Hey everybody from Chattanooga, Tennessee, I'm Jay Ward. And I'm Wayne Carini, and this is Talking Classic Cars. Our guest today is going to be one of our finest friends that we have, Mr. Ken Gross. Ken, um, so many things. He's a great hot rodder, great friend, and he, he curates so many great shows all over the country for museums, for automobile events like this Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. And so, Ken, welcome. Good morning, and thanks very much. Yeah. Glad to be here. Great to have you with us. So, you, you curate so many great shows, but this, this one really is special to you. Tell us why. Well, it, it is, because uh, all the proceeds for this event go to um, CHI Memorial in, uh, in Chattanooga, where they do world-class research on uh, AIDS and stroke and Parkinson's. So that's what really got me interested in. I wasn't going to take on another car show, and uh, Byron DeFore made a, a very convincing case, and uh, uh, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, I've been here since the beginning because of you. <laughs> Ken has asked me to come every year, and uh, it's an honor to be here, be, uh, be with you and, and Byron and, and doing all the things that we normally do here. But I got to tell you, this year, you've really knocked it out of the park. We got well, some great cars. It, it, we, we suffer a little bit from what I call uh, show fatigue. In our placement in October, there were already a lot of events. So you can talk to collectors and they say, no, I don't know, I don't know. But we're getting developing a reputation. Uh, people like the cause. And uh, I'm very happy with the field this year. And we uh, thrilled particularly to see some of the 32 four-inch because that's, that's a favorite both of all of us. Yeah. yeah. It would be great maybe next year to even get that, expand that a little bit more, you know? Mm -hmm. but, uh, yep. but you've done a good job, I'll tell you. And, and the classics are just spectacular. you got yep. some really great classics this year. Yeah, this would be a great place for Rolling Bones display next year. It, that it would. Uh, I'd, I'd love to do that. We had them at uh, Greenwich a few years ago. We had them at Amelia Island. People love seeing those, those cars. I was with a group of them in England and blew the Brits away. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, and it, even even having a 32 display or maybe, you know, of cars from 1932 to 36 or 9 or 40, something like that, um, and get some of the big guys up from the West Coast in, you know, get Bruce, that, Bruce that, Meyer. That really would be, be fun. It's hard to get those folks. You know how expensive it is to, trans, to transport cars these days. But if the show develops enough of a reputation, perhaps they'll come anyway. That's yeah. right. And they did come to Amelia. Last year, I brought my own uh, Roadster there, and we had a number of West Coast cars. And people are not always expecting to see hot rods at a Concord Delegance. And we started that at Pebble Beach in 1997 against uh, some, I'm not going to say objections, I'm going to say ODB was the comment for, for some, some people. But, uh, but no one had to die to get those cars on the field. Uh, and once they did, it, it, it was really exciting. Oh, they, they took off. It was unbelievable. And, of course, you got great collectors like Ross Meyer, Bruce Meyer. I mean, you got great... Oh, both the Meyers. Yeah. yeah. Both Meyers. Um, no relation to each other, but, right. uh, but both have that passion for the automobile. They're actually the two best collectors of, of historic hot rods, and they happen to be on East Nose. So, you know, Boyertown, PA, and Beverly Hills, California, and you have the... Literally, between those two and the Peterson, you've got pretty much the creme de la creme of the hot rod world. I think, just talking hot rods for a minute, one thing that you and I have talked about in the past is how important they are to American car culture. People don't really understand that post-war America, you know, the hot rodder was taking influence from Europe and influence from aircraft and really engineering and designing these cars that were faster than what Detroit could build at the time. 
and, and more stylish if you uh, extend an arm to the custom people. So much so that in the early 50s in the Ford Rotunda, Ford Motor Company invited Winfield and Barris and all these guys to come and show what they did. And then you, you start looking at 57 Chevrolets and you start thinking, oh, they, they were paying attention. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Flush door handles or, or hidden door handles and, right. you know, lowering the cars down, sectioning the bodies. We saw this stuff happen by 1960. The Detroit took those notes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Motorama cars, that, that showed right there that they were paying attention, you know, uh, with, with General Motors taking the tour around the world and, and showing people their new designs. And, and of course, the designers back in the, and I own a Studebaker, 53 Studebaker Starliner Coupe. And you come out of the war era and all of a sudden now they needed transportation, but these cars were boxes. They were just basic transportation automobiles. You figure what a Dodge looked like, a Ford, a Chevrolet from 1950 and 51 and 52. They were literally holdovers from before the war that had been exactly, massaged. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And along comes this Studebaker uh, with Raymond Lowey and, and all these great designers. And, and the car is moving, going 100 miles an hour standing still by the looks of it, by the way of rake the windshield back and all, all the fillers. And that really started that design. All of a sudden, people are paying attention to design more and more rather than functionality. Yeah. Well, you had Virgil Exner at, at Chrysler who was brought in to end the boxy era. Yeah. And, and he really he really did that. And interesting, you mentioned Studebaker Coupes. The hot rodders grabbed those, chopped the tops, took them to Bonneville. They were slippery cars. Yeah. And they could set some uh, fast times. Yeah. Well, luckily... The chop on my top is not is not there. It's all stock, seven thousand mile car. That's right. Yeah. The survivor. That's right. You brought that to Greenwich earlier this year. I did. Yeah, yeah. I brought it to Pebble a few years ago. Loaned Greenwich. It to the Savoy. Savoy. It's yeah. been down there all because Ken. I usually don't let that car out of my sight, and uh, Ken asked me, and and it was a great experience going down. Another. Great thing too, we should maybe talk about is museums. So right. uh, I'd like to know more about the Savoy because you had a huge part in curing that collection and you've been there as well. And a lot of people so far have not heard about the Savoy. It's still fairly new. It is, uh, it's in Cartersville, Georgia. It's now uh, almost through its second year. They've had nearly 200,000 visitors. Uh, it's part of a four museum chain, which include the Booth Museum of Western Art, a, uh, the Telus Science Museum, a local Bartow County Museum. They know museums, these guys. This is an 85,000 square foot facility, and there are five galleries. We change cars every four months, one of the gallery changers. Uh, people love going there. They've just started their own outdoor car shows. So I really recommend it to, uh, to people if they're anywhere in the Atlanta area. It's north of Atlanta, about 50 minutes. Is there a focus on anything in the collection? No, uh, not really. Uh, the main gallery, which uh, is, it doesn't change as often, uh, we have American, significant American cars, but not just classics. Uh, they can be special interest cars. They can even be uh, pickups and, and so forth. But we do like to rotate the other galleries. We've had our we've had classic cars, we've had our deco cars, we did a great, uh, a, a great display of fins. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. So, and all the cars were driven in, so the back ends were the focus of, of, the, of what you saw when you walked in. So great way of displaying too. It, it's it's a thought process, and and they and the wonderful people that work there and and are part of it, they're part of why it's so successful too. You did another show down in Florida last year. Was it Boca Raton? It was in. Uh, 
Vero Beach. He was in Vero, Vero Beach. Beach. Yeah, talk yes. a little bit about that. that so what we were, that, that was um, uh, rolling sculpture, uh, and they were Art Deco American and, uh, and European cars. Uh, we had 22 cars and motorcycles at Vero. Population of Vero Beach is about uh, 20,000 people in the winter. We had 44,000 visitors in three and a half months. Uh, they sold the catalog out in less less than two months. Uh, so we, we we brought twice the population of Vero in to see these cars. It's the biggest exhibit in terms of attendance they'd ever had. And they were dumbfounded that such a thing could would happen. Uh, I'd love displaying cars in, uh, in fine art museums because we, we're talking many times, I mean, sure, the car enthusiasts come, but we get a lot of people who never thought of an automobile as uh, rolling sculpture, as, uh, as, as art on wheels. Yeah, and that's one of the things we want our listeners to understand is that what Ken's talking about is that you go to a regular art museum and there's beautiful art museums. What Ken's doing is displaying automobiles in that museum setting of a really high-end regular museum where paintings and sculptures are, and now there's cars involved with that, and they are pieces of sculpture. They are art. One of the fun things that you don't know, it's not always apparent, but most of these buildings were never designed to have automobiles. So we are taking doors off, off the museum, we're taking bumpers off cars to fit, squeeze them into elevators, a lot of trickery to uh, so that when people walk into a gallery, they're not only seeing something they've never seen before, they're wondering how in the world did we get it in there? Yeah, yeah. That's great. It's pretty cool. But now you're doing it here in, in, in uh, Chattanooga, you know, uh, sort of putting all these cars together, uh, calling people, and you're one of the guys that when you, when you get a call from Ken Gross and he says, can you bring, and that's all he's got to say, bring, uh, and you, know, you don't have to get any further, you say, yes, Ken, what do you need? Yeah, well, you, your Rolodex is, is pretty uh, formidable. Well, I... I uh, very fortunate. I've judged in Pebble Beach for 32 years. I was the director of the Peterson. Got to know a lot of people. And, uh, and I, I can tell you that car enthusiasts and owners are very happy to loan you a car for a museum. It's a different dimension for them. It's not like a Concord d'Elegance. Everybody's a winner. Probably you'll be in a catalog. So uh, it's an easier ask, if you will, than maybe some of these concours. And it's thrilling to finally get in there. I, I get involved with the lighting, the placement, I write the catalogs, I do all the didactics, and there's that magic moment where it's all there, it's in the building, and you say, wow, yeah, so exciting. Yeah, it is, it is. Um, we were talking about the Savoy Museum, and we're going to be down there with you uh, for a couple of things coming up uh, in January. Uh, we're going to be down there with Wayne Cady, yes, one uh, of the great designers at General Motors. And GM has had a number of folk we, everybody knows uh, the, the major players, uh, the Harley Earls and, and Chuck Jordan's. Bill Mitchell. But, and uh, Bill Mitchell, of course. But behind the scenes are these guys who really did the designs. And Wayne is one of those, right. those people, a very understated, talented man. And in those days, uh, I mean, with all the CAD work today, the computer does a lot of the work for you. But in those days, not only did they have to design the cars, they had to be artists. And they had to do renderings with people in them. 
uh, and backgrounds and so forth to help sell the idea to the Bill Mitchells and, and so forth. And Wayne is one of those guys. He, he's the best at that, you know, yeah. with, with the people in the background and buildings and all the things and landscapes. Uh, not only is he a great designer, he's just a great artist. It's not unlike what we do at our, our films at Pixar. You know, people think, oh, the director made all this stuff, but they're these very talented people that design the characters, the environments, you know. The guy who designed Buzz Lightyear, Bob Polly is a friend of mine, he designed Lightning McQueen as well, you know? And so to be an artist at Pixar, but you're right, the stuff on the screen, oh, the whole studio made that. They don't realize these really talented people that are kind of unsung heroes of the design process. Yeah, and then, and then you know, what's interesting is that you've invited me down to the Savoy for the museum conference. So, the, it, it, and people don't understand that, we have some great automobile museums in this country. And every time we lose one, you say, like the Tuflo automobile, you say, we go, oh boy, we're on a decline. But every time you lose one, two more seem to pop up. Oh, cool. and, and so we've got a great museum now in Maine, uh, you know, above Gunquit. Right. And Arundel, I think it is. And, and so many other museums that, so they're going to have a conference at the Savoy. Right. We'll have the National Association of Automobile Museums, the NAM conference. Uh, last year it was at the Revs Institute in Naples, Florida. And it's a wonderful opportunity for these museum people to uh, kind of compare notes, uh, try to understand one person is solving your problem. You need to know what they're doing. When they're not direct competitors per se, so we can all learn from uh, from one another and and interchange cars too. Uh, I've borrowed a lot of cars from museums, and even here today, we've got cars from several several museums. It helps publicize the museum and lets people see cars they haven't haven't yet seen. Yeah, uh, it's exciting. And frankly, I uh, I want to see some of these cars rolling and moving. So. We, we have the Packard Predictor from the Studebaker Museum here. They haven't run it in years. I said, you can bring it if it runs. And they said, we'll get it running. So well, I was out on the, hear that and see it today. I was out on the field early this morning at about 6.30, and I walked over, and I put my hand on the hood, and it was warm. Nope. So uh, it does run. That's <laughs> cool. <laughs> I, I, said, I said to myself, I wonder if they pushed it here, but they did get it yeah. running. They promised it would run, yeah. so we'll have to see. And then we've got one other display coming up at the Savoy uh, Movie Cars. Jay, uh, Jay's going to help us with that um, and hopefully get the Lightning McQueen out of the NASCAR that's what we're going to try and do. We're going to try and fry it out of there again. Uh, not easy to do, but it's really great. You know, an important thing for me, and I want to ask you about this, is how do we get a younger generation involved in the car world? Because all of us are, are, are now, uh, you know, adults. We're, we're not young people anymore. Very we need, kind. Yeah, <laughs> we, need to, we need to, I try to say it as diplomatically as possible, but we need a younger generation. We need people under 30 to care about what we're doing and to care about these cars. What do you think we could do better? How do, how do you think we get more people under 30 involved and engaged in both the, you know, the, the collecting, but also the judging and this whole automobile world? I, I think there's so much for it here that's exciting. Well, years ago when my youngest son was starting to show an interest in cars, um, I asked um, Joe Oldham, who at that time was the editor of Popular Mechanics and who had written years ago for all the Superstock magazines. And I said, you're Scott and you're Steve become car enthusiasts. What did you do? How did you make that happen? And in his funny Brooklyn accent, he said, immersion, take them everywhere, take them to the show, put them in a car. And really, that's, that's the way to, uh, to do it. I think they, you've got to invite them, invite them to learn how to judge. Uh, it, and years ago, when Terry Eric was the head of Cummings Motor News, his slogan was, take a kid to a car show. That's right. Uh, and, uh, 
So he, we, he brought, we, that was in Hemmings all the time, uh, that big page ad. That's really what you do. I mean, my first experience was my neighbor at an MGTC. I was standing, you know, sort of gobsmacked looking at this car, amazed that the steering wheel was on the wrong side. <laughs> and, and Mr. Durkee said, get in. I said, I can get in? He said, yes. And next thing I knew, we were driving down Forest Avenue, and I was sitting behind the non-steering wheel because I was on the... You like the uh, driving. Of, yeah, and for an 11-year-old kid, it was absolutely fabulous. And, and, and that's really the key. When we, we have so many families come to our shop and in our showroom, and we always make sure the kids get in one or two of the cars, and they go, really? You don't mind if they touch the car? This is a car. Come on. Touch yeah. it. Feel it. I mean, we don't want you to take your, you know... A, an eraser or a magic marker draw on it, but you know, become involved, start it up. And, and, and once you've done that, it, it sets a spark off. And it may not evolve right away, but one day that spark will really set the fire. Yeah. And then it's off to the races. Well, we're fortunate because we grew up in a generation, you know, we're all different ages, but we all grew up in a generation when cars were beautiful objects. And Modern cars are utilitarian and they're great because they're reliable and fast and they do things better than a computer can do, but they don't have that same uh, level of fizz, a lot of them don't, unless you get into supercars. So finding kids to get engaged and excited about classic cars, I think is really a great thing to do as well. Well, what I've done is, I took, when my grandson was five years old, I asked him, I said, what do you want from Pop-Up today more than anything in the world? He said, I want to go for a ride in a Piercero. So we have a 16 Fiercero, so I take him for a ride. He says, Pop up, I love this car. This is my favorite car that you want. And we have Ferraris and Mustangs and all these other cars. And he wanted to go for a ride in that car. So while we were out, he told me that. I said, Well, happy birthday, Connor. It's your car. And I gave him the Fiercero at age five. And now he's, he's immersed. I mean, you know, that's it. He's hooked for life because I gave him this car. And, and we take it to different car shows. He gets invited now with a letter from people to bring his car to a it's show. It's, it's unbelievable. And it's his car. And he wanted trophies. First trophy, wanted a local car event. And he carries that trophy in his overnight bag when he comes to visit us. <laughs> he takes it, he puts it up on the bureau, you know. He's so proud of that, you know. And so uh, I, I think that's, that, that was my way of doing it. But there's so many other different ways. And, and Listen, this Concord Lemons certainly helps too. The 30 under 30 classes that are happening yeah, at yep. shows. So we're all trying, that's for sure. McPherson College is another good example. So we're trying and, and I think we're gonna be successful. But, and we have to give them a chance. You know, it wasn't like us where all of a sudden we turned 16, it was instantaneous to us because we'd been dreaming of cars all our lives. Yeah. It takes sometimes till they're 25 or 30 years old. But, but they'll come around. Yeah. That's well, if sure. you think about it, you've got all these listeners out there, uh, and maybe the message is: think about some young person you know, a boy or a girl, uh, who might be interested in cars, and, and do that for them. Show them your car. Take them for a ride in your car. Take them to a car show. We'll we'll increase the population if we if you all do that. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Okay. Where are we going to see you next? <laughs> At the uh, Hilton Head Concourse. I'll we'll, see you we'll there. be there, and we'll go to SEMA. Uh, the we wouldn't miss the SEMA show. Yeah, I'll see you there. Poor Trish has to go to Apex. She says that's the um, the steak side of the business, and I get to go to SEMA, which is the sizzle. So, uh, so yes, we'll, we'll be doing that. And then the, the Concord year kind of rolls to an end, and uh, uh, and maybe blessedly so, because we've all gone to a dozen or more events all year long. But come December, we'll wish for it to start again. And it starts again with Cavallino and... Uh, 
and on and, and uh, retro bail and on and yeah on. yeah well that's true you know and the auction season starts i'll be in kissimmee this year then going to scottsdale then in retromobile so i get between thanksgiving and and christmas off and then it all starts all over again off you yeah, go but no complaints no uh, no complaints at all we, we love all what we do it. we love our friends love the people in the car world that's yeah. right that's right well and the funny thing is you're actually seeing we're actually seeing one another more than we perhaps see even our neighbors yes because yeah. of absolutely, the, absolutely. well thanks ken for spending a few minutes with us it's always a pleasure to be with you great. and learn from your knowledge oh thank you both yeah see you on the road yep, yep. great